You're listening to Tara Lynn's A Geek Saga podcast. This episode features audio from a previously aired live video webcast. Greetings and welcome to my first ever virtual reading and Q&A, which will focus on my second novel, How to Start Living in the Zombie Apocalypse. Both this and my first novel, The Way of Reckoning, were released under the pen name T.L. Walker, but you can call me Tara Lynn and find me across the web at A Geek Saga. So I put out a call for questions prior to this live event, but if you are watching live and you have any you'd like to ask throughout, please post them in the live chat. With that, I will jump right in. The first question I received is actually what prompted me to choose the passage that I'm about to read. In the past, when I've shared a portion of how to start living in the zombie apocalypse, I've always just used the prologue. But here's a little secret. If you check out the Kindle preview on Amazon, you can read it in its entirety. The prologue, I mean, not the whole book. <laughs> I also considered reading some of the prequel chapter that I recently posted on my website, ageeksaga.com. But of course, that's freely available as well. So when I received the question, how do you feel like you subverted any zombie story tropes from my friend Becca, I got a better idea. First, a bit of backstory. This novel is told in first person from the perspective of a young woman named Charlie. At this point that I am going to start reading, we are three months into the zombie apocalypse, and she's been living on a farm with a group of people, several of whom are mentioned in this selection. That said, I was very careful to choose a section that wasn't chock full of spoilers, so that's all I'm going to say for now. So like I said, we're actually starting in part two, which is three months in. And this is a little bit into the first chapter of part two, not too far, so. So much had changed in the past few months that I barely remembered the person I'd been or the life I'd lived before this. I mean, I'm no idiot. Of course I'd known that when the dead began to rise and shuffle around looking for people to eat, things would never be the same again. But as time had passed, we realized more and more how little we knew about what was going on. We were sheltered here on the farm, so when the first of what we now call Super Zeds showed up, we didn't know what to do or how to handle it. I guess I need to backtrack a bit. After all, a lot can happen in three months, and in this world it seems like any and everything can happen, period. So let's see, where did I leave off? Oh, that's right. The farm was safe, we had plenty of food and water and fuel, and our original group of five had grown to eight. And there were still eight of us now, but with every day that passed, I wondered more and more how much longer that was going to last. You see, we were out of fuel except for what was left in the vehicles, and we knew better than to siphon from that. We'd had to start rationing food, though thankfully we were still getting just enough to eat. We were okay with water thanks to the natural springs on the property, but collecting it had become a pretty big hassle. In fact, that was what we were just doing outside, filling up on water. And let's just say that it didn't go so well. But didn't you have the Zed problem under control, at least on the farm, you ask? Well, sure we did. Until they started learning. Sounds crazy, doesn't it? I mean, I'm still not sure that learning is even the proper word for what they were doing. They hadn't started talking yet anyway. But in the beginning, they were slow, stupid, quick to lose their focus, if you could even call it that. What they had now, three months later, may still have only been motor function, but it was certainly far more of it than they had right away. It appeared that when they first rose from the dead, they were almost like infants. It took them hours, at the very least, to even pick themselves up to move from whatever position they'd been in when they died. And after that, they stumbled and shuffled like, well, like toddlers, I suppose. 
This phase seemed to last days, possibly even a couple of weeks. As we didn't know where they'd all come from in the first place or how long any of them or how ugh. Oh, I can talk. Or how long ago, <laughs> or how long ago any of them had died, it was hard to tell when they stopped being toddlers and became, in a sense, adolescents. We figured that was the best way to refer to this particular stage, if only because it was when they were most easily distracted. Faster, steadier on their feet than they'd been at first, but still generally, well, stupid. The problem was, about a month and a half into things, it was like a switch went off. Suddenly we started encountering Zeds that moved nearly as fast as we could. Not only that, but they could figure out stairs and then fences. Eventually it was ladders, simple doors, how to use their feet and fists to break through glass. So yeah, there's really no other way to describe it other than to say that somehow, some way, they were learning. We started calling them Super Zeds right after the day we made a run to the closest supermarket and saw one of them look at its hand, make a fist, and punch the glass window separating it from us. Especially when the Zed right next to our ingenious buddy followed suit and took its fist to the glass as well. We barely made it out of there alive that morning, and what we were able to gather in terms of supplies was meager at best. Still, we assumed it must have been some sort of fluke. We allowed ourselves a day off to recoup, and then we, quite stupidly, mind you, returned to the same supermarket. Did they know that this was the type of place that would attract the living? I don't think it had gone quite that far, but we couldn't deny that the parking lot and the store itself were both crawling with Zeds, far too many for us to handle. We're okay on food. We should go, Luke said, obviously regretting our decision to attempt another run, period. I nodded my agreement, and in the back seat, Joey and Mike remained silent. But we all knew in that moment that things had changed, that the balance was no longer in our favor. The scales were tipped the other way. Not two days later, the farm saw its first Zed in weeks. Luke and I took care of it, but by the end of that week, there were more and more, and no matter how often we killed them, there were always new ones to take the place of the ones that we got rid of. We killed off the chickens then, wasting more meat than I'm willing to admit, but it was our only choice what with the noise they tended to make. And now here we were, tired above all, and more often than not, hungry, thirsty, dirty, smelly. It's not worth it anymore, I grumbled as I wiped the zed goo off my skin. There's got to be some kind of shelter or home that wasn't overrun. I mean, what about the military bases or the National Guard? What about FEMA, the Red Cross, something, anything? I'd like to think that the military was able to get things under control somewhere, but I just don't know if we can trust that to be the case, Luke admitted. And FEMA is worthless, his lip curled in disgust. Fine, whatever. I still think we should pack up and try going back to the city. We're just too exposed here, and at least up there, if we want to go on a run, there are plenty of stores within walking distance. Luke took hold of my arm and gently pulled me out of the room and down the hall a bit so that we were away from the others. He bent his head so that his mouth was right next to my ear. You know I agree with you, Charlie, but this is something we need to discuss as a group. You and I promised that we would stop making decisions without consulting the others, and we need to stick by that. If we don't, things will fall apart. I tucked my chin into my chest and mumbled, you mean faster than they're falling apart now? I heard that, and yes. Now come on, let's get upstairs and enjoy what little daylight we have left. Today's water run had taken longer than we'd expected. It seemed like every 10 feet there was another Zed stumbling toward us, and now that they were quite a bit faster than they'd been at first, dispatching them took more time and effort. On the rare occasion that we met with a newly turned Zed, it was practically worth a celebration over how easy they were to take out. Not that any of them had been that easy today. So that's just uh, a few pages <laughs> of what is more, you know, description than anything. But like I said, I chose it for a reason, that being the question that Becca asked, you know, in case it wasn't clear from that passage, 
the way I feel that I subverted, if not a zombie story trope, but a zombie trope in general, is that in my story, the zombies evolve. As this passage just showed, when they're first reanimated, they're stumbling and, uh, for lack of a better word, stupid creatures. But as time goes on, while their bodies might continue rotting, for a while at least, they are able to learn. To be honest, I sort of got this idea from The Walking Dead. In season one, the walkers, aka the TWD version of zombies, were actually more like my super zeds. They used rocks to bash in windows, rattled doorknobs, climbed chain link fences. But then the show uh, kind of forgot <laughs> about all that. And starting in season two, their zombies became the shambling ones that have persisted throughout the rest of the show and its <laughs> spinoffs. <laughs> uh, granted, I have not read or seen every bit of zombie media that has ever existed. So I might be wrong about my having subverted a trope here. But that was the first thing that came to mind when I saw this question. So maybe don't tell me if I'm wrong. <laughs> Okay, so moving on, the next couple of questions come from my fellow webcast co-host, Fareed. And little plug here, we actually, Becca, Fareed, and I, uh, we actually host The Bitching Dead, which is a webcast about The Walking Dead and Fear the Walking Dead and the world beyond, ugh, in which we basically mostly complain about the shows. So, you know, if you're a fan of The Walking Dead, maybe don't watch it. But, uh, you know, if you're, if you're like us and just kind of hate watching at this point, definitely give it, uh, give it a look. Like I said, it's called The Bitching Dead, and you can find it on the Geeky Aries YouTube page. So first question from Fareed was, as an author, how would I describe my book and how does it differ from most mainstream zombie stuff out there? You know, that's hard to say. I don't know that it differs a ton. I mean, I've certainly read a few first-person accounts. Um, I, I think, you know, the, the trope thing, the fact that the Zeds, zombies, this, they're called Zeds, obviously, in uh, my book, uh, the fact that they sort of evolve is probably the biggest difference. And actually, I shared some quotes from reviews that I got earlier this week on Facebook, Instagram, et cetera. And one of them said that they liked the conversational tone of the narrator. So while I don't, you know, necessarily, I don't, you know, for, for the first person perspective is certainly not new in zombie literature or whatever. You know, I, I think that the sort of snarky and conversational uh, vibe that Charlie has is something a little bit different. I mean, it's it's honestly a lot more me. While the character is really not much like me, um, she's certainly not a self-insert at all, um, other than her dog, maybe. that that's, that's more of a dog insert on my part. He's kind of an amalgamation of my two previous rescue dogs. You know, so while she's not a self-insert, the tone that she has is definitely, I mean, I, th I think this is why this book was so easy for me to write for the most part was because I just, it was very much, you know, just flowing out of my hand when I was writing it or well, I guess fingers, because I think I typed this one. Um, weirdly enough, I do tend to handwrite a lot of my stories first and then type them up. That's kind of like my way of first round editing and also keeping myself from getting distracted by internet stuff while I'm writing. Anyway, that's a little bit of an aside. But like I said, so I, you know, I think those are kind of the things that makes it a little bit different. 
So yeah, I, I wouldn't say that it's like some sort of super different groundbreaking zombie novel, but I did definitely go out of my way to make it, to at least write it from a slightly different perspective. Now, this is one thing that I hate <laughs> a little bit. Okay, hate is a bad word. This is one thing that I've always been annoyed with myself about. So originally, I started writing this in 2014. And when I first started writing this, each chapter was actually a rule. Chapter one is called The First Lessons. Uh, so it, each of the chapters originally began with a rule. And I had to change that because I think in 2015, maybe? Oh, no, wait. I'm sorry. I started writing this in 2013. So my bad. So each chapter started with a rule when I started writing it in 2013. And then about a year later or so, I saw Zombieland for the first time. And I was like, oh, shit. Whoops. <laughs> so I had to change that. So now instead of, you know, the chapters are their own chapters, they have like actual chapter titles. And then sprinkled throughout the book, not just at the end of chapters, are these little lessons learned. And so it's a little box that says lesson learned, like a stamp is what I was going for. And each one is like just, it's, it is just a lesson that was learned in that section. In that case, it was never passed up the chance to collect supplies, which is a boring one, but there's some funny ones in there too. So that is like the thing that is not at all original really, but I thought I was being original when I started writing it. And then I saw Zombieland and had to change that part at least. So, okay. The other question from Fareed is, uh, I know you released a prequel short. Any idea on a sequel? Perhaps one set in the same world, even if it's not with the same lead from the original book. Oh, gosh. Okay. So the prequel thing was something that just kind of popped into my head a week or two ago, honestly. I knew that the fifth anniversary was coming up. I wanted to do some fun things for it. And I realized like, hey, I I don't want to do postscript type things. It's already got an epilogue and I don't want to really write anything that would spoil what actually happens in the book, but some prequel stories would be nice. And I hemmed and hawed about what character to focus on. And if you read the prequel story and then read the book, you'll probably put some two and twos together. But you can actually probably read the prequel and never read this book if you just want to, I don't know, read a free chapter from this world on my website. But also, you know, buy the book. It's on Amazon. Again, How to Start Living in the Zombie Apocalypse by T.L. Walker. But yeah, so I, I, when I first finished this book, I said, no way, never writing a sequel. I, I am happy with it. I'm happy with the way it ended. Then when I started thinking about writing more in this world, obviously the first thing that came to mind was continuing on the story. Maybe not necessarily an entire book, but you know, like I said, a little additional novella or something like that. I never really thought about it not being in Charlie's perspective, a sequel, I mean. And I don't know... If I did something like that, it would be a sequel anthology where a bunch of the characters from this book get a chapter or two or a section or whatever. But I, I think I would still have to probably include something from Charlie, even if it was just a prologue and epilogue. But the prequel thing, like I said, I... I I wanted to write more in this world. I didn't think I'd ever say that, but I really did. I've been working on some other stuff lately, but this 
you re- working in a world that you've already created is so much easier, especially working with characters who you already know them like the back of your hand because of not just writing the book, but then rounds and rounds and rounds of edits, including when I uh, I actually released an updated version of it or changed it to an updated version about a week ago, maybe a little, no, it was a little less. I think it was a couple days actually before I started this whole week-long celebration thing. I did not make any major changes to the story. All of that is still the same, but I did change some formatting issues and a couple descriptions that I decided I did not like. I'm just going to say it that way. And you'd really have to buy, you'd really have to, well, at this point, find an older copy of the book and compare it to the new one to see what I mean. Good luck with that. Um, okay. So yeah, I, I I think there's probably a better chance than I ever really thought that I will write some sort of sequel. And because I already wrote the one prequel chapter and I am cross my fingers, hoping to finish a second one for uh, Saturday for the end of the week. Again, from characters who are ten, like tangentially related to the characters that are actually in the book, so that I'm not spoiling anything. I th- am hemming and hawing about doing a prequel anthology and then a sequel anthology, but we shall see. And then I got several questions from the same person. This is from Casey. First one is what drew me to write about zombies. So I back in 2013, when I first started this, I was at the height of my love for The Walking Dead. I think that was, I want to say that was beginning of season three of The Walking Dead. I could it could have been four. Whatever. Uh so so 2013 was, uh, I'd seen the first season of Walking Dead when it first was released and I I liked it a lot, but then I kind of forgot about it and didn't get back into it till early 2013. And then when National Novel Writing Month rolled around in November of 2013, I was deep into The Walking Dead. I actually went to the very first ever Walker Stalker Con in Atlanta over Halloween weekend 2013. So I think it was like, a few days into November when I got home from that, from Walker Stalker Con and was like, okay, I know what I want to write this month now. So I started on this and I'll be honest, I wrote about, I want to say two thirds of it that month. And then I kind of would go back and like fiddle with it, you know, fiddle with the stuff I'd already written or add like a couple pages over literally the course of two and a half years, I believe. It wasn't until 2016 that I finally sat down and I I could, it was a lot of bottles of wine and a lot of late nights. And it took me about three weeks to finish it and go through my first round of edits in the summer of 2016. So yeah, I was not, not quite three years after I'd started that I finally finished. But at that point, I'd kind of, I was still into zombie stuff, but I also recognized that it was getting a little bit blase, like saturated, maybe. I don't know if it was saturated yet at that point, but I figured I needed to finish this and get it out there sooner rather than later. So that's uh, why I finally sucked it up and finished it. I'm really good at starting to write books and not finishing them. I've got at least like six of them started on my computer right now, anywhere from 20 to 70 to 80% complete. So (laughs) yeah. Yeah, really good at starting things, not so great at finishing them. So that's what drove me to write about zombies. Now, do I think zombies retain memory echoes in their brain? I'm going to go with no. 
not just because other than the first season of Walking Dead when um, Morgan's wife, who is a, is a walker at that point, like apparently it seems to remember their house or remember what house they were staying in, whatever it was. And like, you know, remembers how to rattle the doorknob and stuff. And I obviously, like I said, they earlier, they climb fences and, and use rocks to bash in windows, but that's more like a violence thing. I think um, I, I, I feel like retaining actual memories would be, I don't know. I mean, the point is that they're brain dead, right? Ha ha ha. So I would say no on that. Do I think there's a zombie hierarchy or class system? Well, in that Netflix movie from, was it Zack Schneider that came out over the summer? The Day of the Dead, Dawn of the Dead, something of the dead. There's there's so many of them. But when that movie came out over the summer, there was a hierarchy. And I believe there is sort of, even though they're more vampire type, you know, infected than zombies um a lot of people compare the uh i am legend creatures to zombies and i know they have a bit of a hierarchy thing going on too but i i mean i would say again no because or at least despite that Zack snyder movie um I, I i would say it doesn't really make sense because again they're they're supposed to be brain dead they're They've got one, in my mind, they've got one focus, right? Uh, and I, of course, you know, everybody can do it differently. They're, they're, as far as we know, not real things that exist. So I think that I would not write a hierarchy, but that doesn't mean that it couldn't be done or, or and obviously it has been done. I, I, I don't know, the, the zombies in that Netflix movie were weird, so I'm whatever about that. But yeah, I wouldn't do it, but hey, anything's possible because it's I don't know, fantasy horror. <laughs> I don't even I don't know if I want to call zombies fantasy because of what they are and what they do, but you know. This is actually a fun question. <laughs> do zombies ever get full? So I I had to think about this for a second. It wasn't that long. I thought I would have to really consider it for a while, but I didn't because I, I thought about it for like a, I don't know, a second, 10 seconds, whatever. And I realized, do they physically get full? Sure, right? A, a stomach can only hold so much. You've got to assume that if they're gnawing on people and actually swallowing it, that it's going down the gullet and into the stomach and eventually that stomach would get too full. And I feel like there might have been I, I, in fact, I know there was, I know there's been some movie or show or something somewhere. It could have been The Walking Dead. I, I don't really remember, but I feel, no, I know deep down that there was some sort of zombie media somewhere that had a zombie that like burst because it ate too much. And it's killing me that I'm not going to remember what that was until well after I'm done here. But <laughs> if I remember, maybe I'll try to post in the comments on YouTube or whatever that I, hey, I remembered this thing. I'm going to go search for it probably. So I would say that physically, yes, they get full. However, I don't think that would stop them from eating because again, they're brain dead. And I'm, I was thinking of it in terms of when you sit down, let's say you're sitting down at like I'm trying to think of places that I ate too much, like a cruise, a cruise ship, one of the, you know, extra restaurants on the cruise where you pay a little bit of upcharge and they've got, you know, 10 courses or something or, or a fondue restaurant, like melting pot or whatever, where you've got, you know, four courses of fondue. 
when you sit down to eat at a place like that, you know, often we eat, we as people eat too much, way too much. But we don't you most people, the vast majority of people stop at some point because their brain, you know, it's like their, their stomach is hurting, but they have a brain in their head that's still working telling them, dude, you've eaten too much. Stop. So I, you know, with zombies not having that connection between actual brain function and motor function and just being driven as far as I have, as far as I wrote here and as far as we've seen in media all this time, you know, driven just by it's, I don't even think it's necessarily hunger so much in a lot of cases as it is just that that's the only thing they have left, right. Is the smell or the, you know, of, of blood of, of meat, whatever. So yeah, I'm going to go with physically. Yes, they get full, but because there's no sort of connection in there that actually tells them to stop, they wouldn't because they're full. So thank you guys for submitting questions so much. And if you're watching this later, uh, shoot me a message or something. If you do have questions, I'm happy to answer them. Like I said, you can find How to Start Living in the Zombie Apocalypse on Amazon. You can also find it on Barnes & Noble. I've posted the link several times across social media this week, literally every day. So you can find me at A Geek Saga and find those links on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And I'll also put it in the YouTube video description. That is all I had. Thank you again for watching live or watching later or listening to this as a podcast. Again, I'm Tara Lynn. Find me across the web at A Geek Saga. Go to my website, ageeksaga.com if you want to read the prequel chapter that I released on uh, Sunday of this past week. And like I said, hopefully I will have a second chapter releasing on Saturday if I get to write it. <laughs> and like I said, find How to Start Living in the Zombie Apocalypse on Amazon or uh, Barnes & Noble. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Geek Saga podcast. If you like what you heard, please check out other Geek Saga entertainment endeavors, including the Sagas and Sass webcast and podcast and Ice and Fire Con. 